Recordings Studio. I am Jody Whitesides, and with me is Mr. Chris Hellstrom. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. We're happy that you're here, Chris. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm happy people are listening. How are you doing, Jody? I'm alive and not unwell. Yeah? yeah. Good? Yeah. Good. good? Better than most, not as good as some? That's one way of putting it. Yep. All right. Awesome. <laughs> We're off the rails already. <laughs> yes. It's because yeah, of no. one little setting that I forgot to like tweak and it's like, God, this is the one I want to figure out. All right. But I'm, I'm, I'm over it now. I'm a professional. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's rise above. That's right. Right? Yes. Yeah. How's so, your week been? So far, so good. It's, uh, it's filled with anticipation because in less than... 24 hours, things will change. Yeah. That's how I'm going to, yeah. And that's all I'll say about it. <laughs> okay. All right. Good, 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 good. Um, let's uh, get rid of the uh, snow report. So how is the skiing uh, going on in uh, your part of the world? Fuck all. I haven't gone skiing yet this season. Oh, that sucks. Yes, it does suck. Long time listen. Yeah. Long-time listeners will know that you're an avid skier, so yeah, this uh, season has been you... horrible for snow. Yeah, there's been no snow. Yeah, first COVID, now this, no snow, it's unbelievable. It is. It's it's the yeah. first year I may actually go back to the. the why are we talking about this shit anyway? Um, <laughs> why did you Why did you get me Should started on this? this is, yeah, I, real quickly, I. Vailcorp, which owns the rights to run the resort that I live at, uh, mm -hmm. has done something at least functional this year in that if you don't go skiing, you can get your money back on your season's pass. So I am within one week of calling them up and saying, give me my money back. I'm not going to go skiing this year because that's how mm -hmm. bad the snow cover has been. Less than one third of the mountain, or roughly one third of the mountain is open at this point. And most of the two thirds that I would normally ski is not open. So it's like, why would I go skiing if I can't go skiing in the, in the cool places that I like to go? So. Right. And, and this is coming right. from a diehard skier who loves skiing no matter yeah, I know, what. I, I but, know how uh, <laughs> you don't make those Decisions lightly, so. No. Uh, so that's the uh, snow section <laughs> of the podcast. Let's that's our nonsense section. We're already out of it. Good. Yeah. Well, got to get it done initially and then just sprinkle it through the podcast. Mm. Um, so what, what are we talking about today, Jody? What are we doing? Phase cancellation. Yeah. Yes. And if you're not watching the video part of the podcast, um, you'll notice there that Jody was squeezing his nose to kind of approximate the concept like of what a face cancellation what might face sound like. Cancellation. So yeah. Uh, I apologize but, but maybe, for your ears. <laughs> <laughs> um, but phase is also one of those. I mean, it was a couple of episodes ago, we talked about gain staging. Yes. And I think phase cancellation can be one of those sort of buzzwords or buzz phrases that you hear all the time, but 
might not know exactly what that means. I'm not sure I've heard uh, phase cancellation in a while in terms of like just the, the phrase phase cancellation. Yeah. Well, you hear, uh, you know, internet forums and this and that. And Oh, I see. Down where that, all the trolls that, hang out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. See, I don't with, hang out with there. With the troll slip. Yeah. It's probably, probably better for why you to I not haven't do heard that. that for a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably. But um, so maybe we should we just start about, if, if you don't know what phase cancellation is, it's essentially sound waves arriving at the microphone in at a different time. And it causes the recorded medium to to sound hollow, sound or sound can hollow, sound yeah. hollow or less thick, or cause weird sounds like this. That kind of you would think that. Well, I'm approximating the concept by squeezing the shit out of my nose so that I'm sounding nasal. But uh, yeah, it, it's it phase cancellation can have a variety of different sounds, but the most common one is to make it sound kind of hollow. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we notice it. I mean, two instances where I think about it immediately is, um, well, first of all, we should maybe, you know, say that this only happens on when you're using more than one microphone to capture an instrument. Oh, I, I don't know if I can. I, I, I well, well, let me let okay. me clarify what I mean. Right. Mm -hmm. So for so, if you have, let's say to my guitar cabinet. You got two microphones on said cabinet. Mm -hmm. If the sound reaches the microphones, not at the same time, exactly at the same time, the waveforms will have a point where they null each other out to a lesser or a larger degree. And that causes phase cancellation. Um, we hear that most clearly when we hear a loss of low end generally. Sure. But what I mean, but when you have two microphones picking up, you could have something where you're, of course, you're recording an entire band in one room and, and that kind of thing. But but generally we think about it as like um, at the recording stage where something is reaching a microphone and they're not, as it were, in phase and you will, will get a little bit of a wonky sound. Sometimes that could be what you're looking for right, as an effect, but generally it's not as pleasant. Yes, that is true. Does that make more sense? Sort of, but I'm going to take it a, 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 hopefully a step further in that. Take it. When you have, if, if you are familiar with what a sine wave looks like, which is kind of, I guess, considered to be a pure kind of sound. And you have sine waves that go up and sine waves that go down. So they cross this center axis of what is known as zero. And if you take two sine waves and you put them in exact opposite formations of themselves, so that one is going up at the same time one is going down, you're going to get what they call nulling out, which is what you just said. And what that ends up doing is, is if you do it perfectly, they'll erase themselves. And yep. then you won't hear anything at all. When you get them both in perfect sync, they amplify themselves. So things get technically louder, right? Even though the two signals are one volume, the two together amplify the volume because they're moving in sync perfectly. Varying degrees between the exact opposite where they null out and the complete in sync where they amplify each other causes 
varying degrees of erasing themselves, right? That's essentially yeah. what you were saying. So they can be somewhat together and not fully erase themselves. And that will get that funky sound that you were talking about, or they can be pretty close to the point of exact opposites where they're erasing most of themselves and, and such. So, but that doesn't always occur just because of miking a single instrument with more than one mic. It can be the result of two things competing in your mix as well. Sure. So yeah. you could have a kick drum that you have mic'd and you've spent your like two days setting up all the mics on this mic on this drum kit so that you get the perfect in-phase drum sound and the kick sounds gigantic and the drums all by themselves sound absolutely stunning. Then you add the bass in and you wonder where the fuck the kick go? <laughs> and and the answer to that is is most likely the phase of your bass and the phase of your drum kick are not in sync to the point where they're canceling themselves out. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, so I, I, it's I not agree. just I, miking. I, it's also things that uh, uh, compete against each other in the mix. And if you're noticing things like that, it's good good idea to check the phase. Yeah. It's um, that, that's a very valid point, and I didn't think to bring that up. But but I suppose we should sp sort of specify here that this can happen at varying points, right? But if we think first of phase cancellation, what I primarily think about is during the recording phase or the capturing phase, where we want to make you know as much effort as we can to avoid that. Sure, um, no, and, sometimes and that's, that's that's a fantastic thing. Of course, you want to do that. You you, I mean, unless you're really going for that kind of combed out, missing portions of your sound sound in your initial recordings. The real big guys will often do it as an effect, as you've said. But the other thing that they'll do is oftentimes they don't want that. <laughs> so yeah. they'll work on yeah. not getting it in the first place. Right. Yeah. right. But, but it, is, it is a good point to bring up though that, that you said that this obviously can happen during the mixing phase as well when you have competing frequencies of different instrument, you know, duking it out in whatever range they're at. So yes. um, we can usually fix that with possibly do, doing some either ducking or inverting the phase, well. slightly yeah. shifting something on the timeline so that they're better in phase, even yeah. though that can happen. Yeah, the ultimate sort of like results. phase cancellation is obviously when, when we have something that completely nulls out. Yes, right. It, as you described it with the sound waves and stuff. So, but there, there's varying degrees of that, and you know, I think speaking of the miking thing that yeah, I mentioned guitar caps, but the big issue that we have that we always have to play with this is when we're miking drums. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have, let's say, that you have a bottom and a top snare mic, <clears throat> they will more often than not be out of phase with each other. So you'd have to switch, flip the uh, polarity switch on one of those mics. You'd have to think about things like how the kick and the snare are getting picked up in the overheads in, in all of those relationships, right? So- Which is why miking why up drum sets is very mathematical to an extent. It, it can, yeah, to an extent, but you have to play around with that. But 
the first step, I think, is just um, being aware that this is something that you're going to have to contend with and you want to pay attention to that. Um, now, today we have the benefit of we can see this in our dogs, right? <laughs> we go, oh, look at that. The sound waves, they're, they're off and that, that's what it is. Yes. I think it's important to remember that before the advent of the DAW, they didn't have that. It was like, it was all by ear and you'd have to use that polarity switch or the, the phase flip switch and see, okay, is that better? No? Okay, well then we'll leave it off, right? It ain't go about that. So is that better? No, that flipping the switch doesn't work. All right, move the fucking mic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but, but that's where, you know, we like to wave the flag of like, well, Capture it well at the source, right? And yes. leaves you less stuff to do. But um, can yeah. we wave that flag really big and wild and loud? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> capture yeah. it great at the source because trying to fix as it in best, the mix as sucks. best as you can. In your yeah, yeah, leave as little for your mix engineer to to fix, and um, it will help your mix prep and all that kind of stuff. Correct. So but, I, um, I, I've been like bubbling over your closing room mic thing. So why don't you continue on with that? Um, no, it's um, <laughs> brain fart. It, it's well, it, it, it's essentially when you have. Now this goes down to a little bit of, of aesthetics. I'll say let, let's go back to that that guitar cabinet, okay, or whatever happens to be right. Yep. Is the benefit that you're getting of using two different mics on that? Does that outweigh the? Uh, the face cancellation issues that, that might arise. If you are the kind of person that know, okay, I really want a 421 and my 57 on the guitar cab. Mm -hmm. If you're that guy, you need to worry about your face. If you're not really sure if, oh, I'm not sure if I need both of these, well, then maybe you just want to do one mic on your guitar cabinet and not worry about it as much. But but those are those are other choices that you do if you're not comfortable or don't want to worry about phase and this kind of stuff. You just want to keep it simple, minimize the amount of microphones that you're using, and, and you'd probably be better off for it. Or a happier camper anyway. Yeah, something like that, right? Um, <laughs> a lot of things like that. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, but but that, that sounds like a lot of, I don't know, kind of like babbling, but hopefully that that makes some kind of sense. But it's it's well, phase is kind of like a hocus pocus kind of thing, and when you are not aware of it and how to deal with it, it makes things like ah, <gasps> and you're trying like every plugin known to man to like get so like it's if the phase is really pulling your low end out and you're trying to like juice it back up, you're. You're accentuating an issue that should have been fixed in the front end, so to speak. Uh, yeah. Whether it's it, just making sure that the phase is aligned in the DAW or phase was aligned when you were tracking with multiple microphones. So right. those are all things that you should be paying attention to, listening to as you're tracking if you're using multiple mics. And then obviously you, you want to think about this stuff as you're doing your mix, especially when you get, as you said, competing things in a mix. and. More often than not, it's it's very, very noticeable in a low end of a particular yeah. instrument's sound. So that's where most people are going to notice phase, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's you know, when you're 
let's go back to the guitar cab. If you're playing and you go, where the hell did all the low end go? Why does my guitar sound like this hollow kind of shell of the tone I heard in the room? Well, because I turned the EQ knob down on the bass. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, the same thing for, for mo most notably kick drums, right? And we know, you know, kick drums, not just today, but in certainly like any modern music production, EDM. kick is, is key. Right? Gigantic. You need to have a, a big kick. Yeah. Seems like regardless of what kind of style you're doing, you want a good solid foundation. So we want to make sure that we have those kind of issues sorted. Yes. Um, you know now, what else would be probably a good thing to kind of describe before we move on to the next portion of whatever you're about to say? Sure. And that is that? how this comes about in sounding like you have less bass or things are a bit more hollow and, and why they're canceling themselves out. Because we kind of discussed the concept from the, the, the curve of a sine wave as an example. But what yeah. actually happens is, is it, it's causing your speakers to compete in the direction that it's pushing and pulling itself. Because in order to make the sound waves, the speaker is moving out and in on a the cone is moving out and in on like a rod that is magnetic and has electrical impulses. So when you send two impulses to the speaker that are competing in the directions that they're supposed to move, the one that wins is the one that has slightly more energy and volume over the one that has slightly less energy and volume. Now, even though it has slightly more energy and volume in say, if it's pushing out, it may not have the amount of oomph that you were originally hearing in the studio room or whatever you were originally recording because now things are out of phase. It, it's because it's had that much more volume, but it doesn't have the same impact on the volume and the push because it's had a bunch of it subtracted. So the speaker is essentially fighting itself to play two sounds at once, and it can't do that if they're not moving in the same direction. Yeah. And that's where we yep. get the weirdness out of the speakers is because the speaker is competing against itself based on the sound waves it's being fed. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's yeah, probably no, but, a little I mean, bit beyond the nerdy that it needed to be. <laughs> well, but that's, you know, that's the result of it, right? Yes. And it's one thing to, you know, look at all these things that we're, we're used to these days of looking at waveforms in our DAW and all this kind of stuff. We, we, we tend to be more them. visual no. than, yeah, we should use our ears more than, than our eyes in a lot of, ca a lot of cases. So. <laughs> right? I think so. Yeah. All right. So Absolutely. with that being said, we're going to take a moment for you to listen to a few words from our sponsors. All right. What are you going to move on to next, Chris? Well, we've talked about doing the tracking stage of flipping polarity switches if we have them on our preamps, uh, moving mice to kind of minimize this. But now let's say that you have it as best as you can or worst case scenario, you didn't pay attention to this. Right. And now it's recorded and it's in your DAW. Oh so no, Mr. What, Bill! I know, what do we do? <laughs> what do we do? Huh. Well, the the first thing obviously we can look at um, is just zooming in really close in our DAWs and taking a look at the waveform. And just like you said there, we're, we're visualizing the sound wave, but when we see the, the recorded sound, it will either go up initially on the initial attack or it will move down. 
Yes. Whatever that is doing on, let's say, let's use a kick here. Uh, let's say, actually, let's make it even easier. We say that we just have a one mic on the kick and one mic on the snare. We'll make it really easy. Now, you will see the snare attack on, on the kick channel and vice versa, right? They, they will pick up both of those signals. So you want to make sure that they are in phase with each other as well. So if you're looking at both tracks, if the sound waves aren't moving initially in the same direction, they will be out of phase. Yes. So you can try then to just flip one of them out of phase and more likely, more than likely, that will fix the issue for you or at least make it better. So there are things that we can do when we just do that. We can also do things, and I know this is something that you're prone to do and, and I'm prone to doing as well because we're anal retentive individuals like that <laughs> and we're nerdy. Um, but that is the um, comparatively to the overheads of the drums. If we listen to the kick in relation to the overheads, mm-hmm. there were be a small, but it would be present delay when the bass gets picked up by the overhead mics. Yes. That can be very small and generally be very small because your overheads are not going to be far enough away to actually cause it to be a long delay. But what we can do is to make sure that we have a relationship between the overheads and the kick in phase as well. But what you and I like to do also is to measure how much that delay is between the kick reaching the overheads, and I will actually either nudge the track or use a sample delay to push it back, move it so that it hits at the same time in those. Now we're talking very little here. We might be talking about a few hundred samples. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, it's not a lot, you know, it's a little bit, but, I like to do that just because I like to be in control of those things to the best of my ability. Oh, you're and a control freak, you anal retentive man. <laughs> guilty as charged. Yes. <laughs> but um, so, so those are things that we can do visually. You can either, you can nudge the track and just bring it into, you know, so that, that the time aligned is, is, is taken care of. Um, and you might have to flip this phase as well. But those are small adjustments that we can do visually in our DAW. You can use the the sample delay if you have one in your DAW. Logic has one. Um, And while we're on the subject here, I want to make sure that when you do all of these adjustments, you have to do that before. You don't have to, but you'll thank me later. But do all of these before you start editing your drums and performances, anything that you do, because you want to make sure that you do that and the changes that you made are going to be consistent the entirety of the track. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to do this 500 times for each track. Trust me, it's you, you're going to kill yourself. <laughs> oh, so, come on. Um, you, well, if you're a masochist, yeah, go go ahead and do it. Yeah, just That's right. do it for every edit that you want to do. But um, so, so there are ways that we can do that in our DAW and just nudging the audio using sample delay, that's up to you, but you can also flip the phase on a lot of plugins today as well, but I know on Logic you have the gain plugin where it actually has a uh, 
phase switch. Phase switch on as well. Yeah. And if and you're in stereo, you can fa- you can phase flip one side or the other side. You don't have to phase the whole thing. Flip, yeah. Flip, yeah. Flip, 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 switch. Right. But, but but that's also helpful if you have if you have a stereo source that mm-hmm. you need to flip on, you can do that right there as well. Um so that's how I go about doing it by hand. I like doing it by hand, again, because I'm a control freak, but I'm probably do- making that harder on myself because there are some specialized plugins that deals with this kind of stuff. So maybe you can tell us about those. Oh, you want me to start rattling off plugins? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. No, so I can. No, no. Uh, specialized plugins. My favorite and my go-to is the Eventide Precision Time Align. And the reason why I like the Eventide Precision Time Align because, is because, unlike any other, it goes to a 64th of a sample. Now, how they yeah, do this you is... you mentioned that before. Oh, yeah, I don't nuts. know how they do that. <laughs> well... Yeah, I, I don't know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> it has a lot to do with how plug-in delay compensation works, and then they obviously do their mathematical whatever. But they have two sliders on this thing. And then they have quite a few different uh, pieces of information that come back at you on this plugin. But the big slider essentially is the, what they call coarse movement, which is one sample at a time. Then they have a fine slider, which is the 64ths of a sample. (laughs) (laughs) So it becomes like this, you've got uh, 100 samples dot, I don't know, 56 or something. And that's like a six, you know, 56th of a 64th of a sample over from one between 50, 156 and 157. It's crazy. Um, not that anybody needs to be that ridiculously anal, but you can get there with the Eventide Precision Time Align plugin, which is for the truly <laughs> anal retentive engineer in your life. <laughs> that is correct. So I, I am one of those. That is my go to plugin. Uh, another one that is fairly popular is the waves in phase plugin. And that one actually has some automated functions to it, which is pretty nifty. Uh, beyond yeah. that, they have the Vox and go fa. I'm going to pronounce that fa, even though it's P H a nine, seven, nine. We have the sound radix auto align, which probably, well, okay. So waves, isn't the only one that's doing it, but sound radix also has an auto aligner as well to line the face. And then you have the UA little labs in between phase as well. So, yeah. Yeah. So there are a lot of tools and I just know that I, I haven't used it yet, but the uh, Voxango, the PHA 979, I'm Fuck. assuming that stands for phase align. Um, Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. But um, that is actually a free option. So check it out. Um, But yeah, so there are things that that can help with this. Uh, I know that the, I don't own it. I haven't used it, but the Waves in phase has, you know, a lot of deep functionality in there as well. And it has. um, I believe it has a method to like where you can add multiple tracks and it will phase align, say, a drum kit for you. That, that that's more than I thought it did, but I know that it can at least do two sources right. where you can you can check. So if you have you know an inside or an outside kick, for example, it, it can help you by lining Face those. Face align up. those, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there, are, but, but it can be good to to be able to do this sort of visually and just by manually in your DAW as well, because 
you know, if, if you're finding yourself that you're doing this as your your primary gig, it's like you're phase aligning drums, you probably want to get a little help or you're going to get carpal tunnel within, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a week. Um, but um, it, it can be done, obviously. It just takes a little bit more, a little bit more time and just a little bit more of um, effort, I suppose, to do it just manually. Yes. But uh, yeah, but face is one of those things that, you know, you'll know when you hear it. And I think what we should probably do for our Tuesday, Tuesday tip, tip here next week yeah. is probably just show a couple of examples of how we can do that and how, let's say, you know, do something with, with some drum tracks or something. Or but, but we'll figure out the tracks, but I think that would be a good thing to do because it can be tricky to talk about this. Uh, Without examples? What, what yeah, yeah what it, like what it sounded like. Well, that's why I was it trying to squeeze good. my nose to kind of give a reference to like that. So it's like I've lost yeah. all the bass in my voice. So, yeah. In, a, in phase, out of phase. In phase, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> nose, squash nose. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right. So um, so let's do that. All right. Sounds like a plan. But anything else you'd like to add to that, Jody? Uh, well, uh, uh, as I interjected earlier, I was going to say that you also have to be aware of when phasing is going to occur between instruments in your mix after you've already recorded these yeah. things. So if you're not worried about the phase because you did such an unbelievable job as the recording engineer when you were actually tracking things and you're now pawning it off or flopping it off on a mix engineer and maybe somebody else has recorded things pristinely and they're flopping it off on you as the mix engineer and you're suddenly like, wait a minute. God, when I've got this stuff soloed, shit sounds awesome. And then all of a sudden you're like, you you add in the bass and the kick suddenly goes, where the hell did the kick go? I don't, it's, it's like gone, even though now it sounds like really deep on my voice. So when the kick is <clears throat> disappearing or when you have a kick that's really huge and your bass suddenly loses its punch <clears throat> when the kick is going, you want to dive in there and find out, well, is the kick got one particular thing where maybe it's going positive in its direction when it's being hit and the bass is actually going negative when it's getting hit. That's an introduction of that point of where they're crossing lines and, and fighting each other and suddenly your bass is gone or something about the kick and the bass is gone. Same thing can happen with guitars. If you've got multiple guitars going on and suddenly you've, you've combined them and they sound like really weird, like not sounding good, <laughs> kind of weird, or maybe your low end's gone, or maybe your attack has suddenly disappeared or something has happened. There's a good chance that it's a issue with the phasing between the sounds that you've recorded. So, and, and the same can be true for using things with vocals. Like if you're tracking vocals, uh, and you've got the same singer singing things over and over and over again, and sometimes they're going to cross that phase because either they're not standing at the same distance at the mic or they've moved slightly from the mic. So you have to be aware of these things if it's creating something that is a drag to the sound. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And sometimes it can be used like, interesting you mentioned vocals there, because if we think about, you know, multi-tracking vocals, maybe it's a, a backing vocal type of situation Yeah, uh, where you're trying to do that stacking. That Queen might be, style, Phil, Phil, what's his name, wall of sound stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Spectre. But it, 
Yeah, Phil Spector, or or a Mutt Lang type of a vibe, right? Yes. If you think of you know any of those kind of massive vocal productions, but um, then it becomes perhaps a part of a sound as an effect as well. Like, yep. But if you're struggling, if you want to make something bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, then that's one thing you think, well, it's not adding up. It's, it's sort of subtracting with every vocal that I add on to this. That, then you're probably looking at some phasing issues. So, yes. yeah, be aware of your phase, man. Get in phase, baby. <laughs> yeah, because you're, you're not going to like the result of face cancellation you might unless you're most other people might not (laughs) but yeah yeah and then you you know you realize that this is part of how synthesis works when you apply multiple ways but that's a whole other oh let's not even start another let's not get into that let's start tying a bow on it so i'm going to put you on the spot yeah because i'm going to say friday finds and we usually always kick this off with you. And I seem to remember at the top, just as we were hitting the record button, you said something to the effect of, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. So what are yeah. you going to do for your Friday find? <gasps> I'm so on the spot. <laughs> uh, no, I am going to pick, um, I was very fortunate a while back, actually just within the last couple of weeks here, to get some uh, of the native SSL plugins. And one of them that I am really excited to check out and get more my hands dirty with is the drum strip mm-hmm. uh, from SSL. And this is all from, from their native bundles. I, I've been on a real SSL kick lately, hasn't it? Sure I? seems like it. Uh, yeah, it's like several weeks in a row now or something. It Tough feels like it. I've, I've done a lot of talking about SSL. But, but no, it's... Um, Sort of like, in, well, like it sounds like it's a drum strip. It has, you know, compression. It has gating. It has, you know, some some basic EQ and things going on there. It has a transient shaper. And it's one of those tools that I'm just looking forward to see how I can get it into my workflow and how it can hopefully enhance that. So my pick this week is um, Drum Strip by SSL. Well, good how, on you. Yay, and good on SSL because I, I you know, I, I obviously do like their stuff. So Yes. Um, what about you? What do you got for us? Well, you know, I took a trip down virtual NAM Lane earlier this week. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. NAM is normally this week. So normally I wouldn't be skiing this week anyway. I'd be down in California in Anaheim. You'd be walking around going, God damn, there's a lot of people here and it's noisy (laughs) everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, but this week they've got NAM going on and it has been virtual. So you get to sort of get a idea of some of the new things that people are doing. And one of the new things that I checked out was a presentation that would be highly designed, I think, for people that do EDM. Mm-hmm. And EDM has got its own set of production values that kind of go on. But there is a DAW that I think is probably geared really well for that. Is that that's probably the best way to say it. And I'm not going to say Ableton Live. And I'm sure Ableton Live is a very, very capable DAW for EDM type stuff. Same thing, you know, Logic's new functionality with the clips thing uh, is geared towards that, I think, as well. But I think Logic and Apple stole this from the company I'm about to mention, which is Bitwig. Bitwig Mm -hmm. has a DAW that seems 
very, very EDM centric for production. At least that's the impression that I got in watching the presentation of their updated version of their DAW. So I'm going with Bitwig's DAW. Now, obviously, yeah. well, you don't have to be an EDM dude to do this, but the examples that they were showing with the way they were doing it, it, it uh, you're going to get into EDM? Bitwig's the DAW to use, man. That's how yeah. I look at it. Yeah. What, what version are they at right now? I didn't you know, catch the version you? number. Yeah. Well, listeners, you have to do a quick Google search if, if you're not a Well, I think it's just bitwig.com. You just go there and you can find out. But um, yeah. <clears throat> The stuff that their guy was doing was insane. It was really cool. I was just like, well, maybe I want to get into all this EDM stuff now too for creation, not so much for the mixing. Because <laughs> as we all know, all it takes is a good dog. Right. right. <laughs> all it takes is the dog, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, but I, I, you know, you told me when you had watched that that you said, I think um, Apple got this from, oh, from, yeah, yeah. from Bitwig. There's and no I, doubt. I remember – yeah, I remember seeing it the first time. And I was like, "Wow!" That when, when Bitwig came out with version one, whatever it was, right? I was like, "Wow, that that's really that's really interesting." That just it, it was it was sort of taking the clip concept of Ableton Live that was doing that first, I sure. think. And now, but now it was in the timeline. It was all together, and it was you know. Well, and so. the interesting thing about Ableton's Live, and I don't know if you remember this, but. Uh, when we were doing a lot of live shows together, we were using Ableton Live as our backing track uh, I sure remember. player. Yep. And you weren't really as privy, I think, as, as I was in putting the backing tracks together because I did it with Donnie, uh, the drummer yeah. that we were playing with at the time. And Donnie had an endorsement deal with Ableton. And mm -hmm. knowing that the material that we were doing was not all 4-4, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> some of it had some very funky time signatures and it was really cool stuff, but to get it to tweak into Ableton and work the way that we were able to make it work, which is probably the most complicated setup of any backing track situation, because we were capable of actually on the fly changing the arrangement. Yeah. Nobody else at the time was doing that. And, yeah. and Donnie, we, you should probably mention that at this point, we're going back almost yeah. 20 years. Uh, right. Maybe not quite that far, but it, it was pretty close far. to, yeah, close to, think, yeah. so, yeah. you know, Ableton was like, I don't know, version two or three at this point. So it was pretty fresh and new and they hadn't considered using it the way we were using it. And yeah. Donnie went back to them with notes saying, Hey, we're trying to do this because this is what we want to pull off. And Ableton came back and said, Okay, and they added those features into the application in subsequent upgrades. So the That's way cool. Ableton Live works now is actually partially responsible to us, <laughs> which is kind of <laughs> cool. You know, nobody else, uh, uh, you know, obviously the only people that are ever going to know this in the grand scheme of history are, are you and I and Donnie and maybe Jesse and, and then, of course, a 
the people that are listening to this podcast at this point. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's probably even a few or shorter list of people that actually care. About yeah, that. nobody really anyway. gives a shit at this point. So, yeah. who, who gives a shit? But, so, what, so what you're saying, all talking about live, your choice is Bitwig. Yeah, <laughs> to, to round yeah. up the, the Friday. No, the Bitwig yeah. thing was more on the whole EDM thing because I just thought the the way the guy was using it and what he was doing with it was actually very very form functional, and it was all built into the DAW, which was actually pretty cool. More built in than say what Logic is doing and with its clips and and whatnot. So yeah. I just thought that was that was cool. I thought it was cool. So now while we still got your attention. We would love to have you go to our website at insidetherecordingstudio.com forward slash review and leave us a review. Now, mind you, it's for Apple's podcasts. Um, and the unfortunate thing about that is, is we don't really have the review sections of anywhere else because I don't think you can leave reviews on podcasts on Spotify or on Google Play or on Amazon, at least not yet. But on Apple, you can. And it does actually help us quite a bit if you go there and say, hey, these guys are pretty damn cool, regardless of whether or not you listen to it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, in addition <laughs> to that, <laughs> please go to InsideTheRecordingStudio.com and you can sign up for our email list. You will get some lovely presets by myself and by Chris for Universal Audio Plugins and for uh, Stephen Slate Plugins. Slate. Slate, yes. Slate, Slate, Slate. In addition to that, you'll get some emails about Chris and I, our upcoming in the industry kind of thing, little anecdotal stories and whatnot. And plus you'll get weekly reminders of what just happened in the past week on Inside the Recording Studio. And we'll make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you are inclined, you can email us at goldstar, uh, G-O-L-D-S-T-A-R, at insidetherecordingstudio.com with the word phase. You might get something cool in return. In addition to that, if you have a topic of suggestion that you would like Chris and I to pontificate on, to espouse upon, to blow your brains wide open out of your uh, head with, <laughs> you can <laughs> <laughs> you can go to our contact page on inside the recordingstudio.com and give us that suggestion, and we will put it into rotation, provided it actually has something to do with music and recording and mixing and mastering and, and tracking and all that kind of stuff. Because if you tell us you want us to talk about uh, the quantum mechanics of a quasar, we're probably just going to look at you blankly and go, what? <laughs> so yeah. with that, I'm going to say sayonara. Have a good day, Jody. You too. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.